Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening.
So now, what do we mean by the mission? What what is the mission? Most of us would say when we mention the word mission, oh well, that must be to seek and save the lost, right? That's our mission. Our purpose is to worship God, but our mission is to seek and save the lost. And we'll reference scripture to back that up. We'll say, well, look, Luke chapter nineteen, verse ten. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So we know that our lives as disciples, as followers, should be following what Jesus did, right? So if Jesus' mission was to seek and save the lost, therefore our mission by default must always be to seek and save the lost, right? We, we do what Jesus did, we have the same mission. I've always said that. I'm not sure that's true. Boom, I know. So before you throw me off the stage, just <laughs> listen to what I have to say. Are we really here on planet Earth in a relationship with God with a mission? When you think about a mission, it's that thing that drives you, it's the thing that you're living for, it's the thing that you know you're like your heart and your mind are set on, and if you're mission-minded, then nothing will stop you. Is that really our mission to seek and save the lost? Easy question, complicated answer. I'm going to try to answer it today, at least begin to answer it, because we're going to be talking about the mission for the next three weeks, so we'll see where this goes. You know, I would have always said, kind of a knee-jerk reaction from being the kingdom of God in the church here for 36 years, 37 years, I would have always said, yes, our mission is definitely seeking to save the lost. And you know what? I'm not really sure if that is our mission. Now, before I go any further, I will say this. Seeking and saving the lost is important. Yes. In fact, yes. it's very, very, yes. very important. Yes. We do have certain responsibilities in yes. our seeking and saving the lost. So, yes, I would definitely have said that. And it is very, very important. But is it really our mission? So, what is it then? Go for you, Lord. I think you might have to help me out with it. So it's definitely our responsibility. We know the scripture in Matthew 28. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've told you, and, and surely I'll be with you all this at the very end of the age, right? So Jesus is saying, hey, I, I, I'm on my way out, but you have the responsibility to do what I'm doing. So go out there and yes, make disciples. I think it's also an obligation that we have. And I love the way Paul puts this in Romans 1, verse 14. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Right. And so Paul not only thought that it was a responsibility, but he said, look, given what God has given me, I think I'm obligated. I mean, I can't just keep this to myself. So that's why he said, like, I'm going to preach it to whoever I can come in contact with. So yes, it's an obligation. We might even say it's a privilege. Because look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So you get the sense of Paul, 
It was a responsibility, yes, from Jesus, he got that. It was an obligation, he felt like this is something I should be doing. But then he said, I was glad to do it. I was happy to do it. We shared our lives, but the gospel as well. We shared both of those with you. And so, responsibility, obligation, privilege. But isn't necessarily our mission. And even looking at that statement that Jesus made, seeking and saving the lost, is that something we can really do? Now, you're going to have to really go with me. Yeah. Isn't that Great. something we can really do? Isn't that something that God does? Come on, Jeff. Think about this. Look at the scripture right here. I love this. This is in John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws right. them, yeah. and I will raise them up to the last day. Right? So any connection between people and God is God doing the drawing. Right. How does God do that? God sees hearts. Yeah. God knows the condition of life. Okay, God sees how you're living, and God sees where you're at, and, and God goes deep into your being, and God draws certain people out. He, he initiates in them the desire and the will to know who he is. So, you know, there's like 9 billion people in the world. God knows who every single one is, and God's able to get into his heart and say, I'm going to begin to work on you. I'm going to begin to draw you. Does he do that with everybody? I don't know. He did it with me. He did it with you. But there are certain people, I think, that God has his eye on and he goes, now's their, now's their time. Uh-huh. I'm going to draw out from them this desire that I think is welling up within them to get to know who I am. So, so yes, God does the seeking. God is looking throughout the whole right. world, seeking and drawing people's hearts out. Nobody comes to the Father unless God does the drawing. Mm-hmm. God pulls them in. And we know that the power to save is focused through Jesus and the blood of Christ, right? So we can't save people, right? We can we can bring them, we can we can move them along, we can help them, but we're not going to save anybody. Right. So what do we do? What is our part? What is our mission? Do we have a mission? Yes. We do have a mission. And when we understand our mission, then I think we will see many, many more people coming to Christ, even right here in Southern Connecticut. But I think if we're a little bit off and our mission is a little skewed, we might not fully get what it is that we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish and what God is able to accomplish. And so we're going to talk about that today. It's important to remember, when it comes to the mission, we have a partnership with God. It's not great to know we have a partnership with God. We get to work with God. And we see it a lot. We see it in scriptures like this. 1 Corinthians 3, and uh, we're going to begin here in verse 6. And I'm sure you're probably familiar with this. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers. There's the partnership. We are God's co-workers in God's service. For you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God's given me, I lay the foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Yeah. And so, what do we do? What's our part of this mission plan? We plant. And we water. Right. Yeah. 
ultimately God is going to make it grow. But we, so we are very much involved. And another scripture even brings that out a bit clearer. And this is in Romans chapter 10, in verse 13. And uh, read, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're said, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? Right, talked about that as well. Good news. What does he mean by being called on? Or calling on? Called on. It's this word, apikaleo, Greek, and it, it doesn't simply mean calling out a name. It's not like saying, Rick, or Sue, or Tara, or, or Ralph. It's not calling out a name. It's far deeper than that. It's to make an appeal. When you, when you call on in this context, it's making a heartfelt, sincere appeal. And we see in the Gospels so many examples of uh, people making appeals to Jesus yes. to change their lives, to, to, to give them far more than what they were experiencing at the moment. Yes. Because they all knew there's something greater and bigger out there. Yes. And, and Jesus essentially always had the same type of response. Right? It was, it was follow me. Yes. It, was, it was be with me. Right. We're the feet. Or the mouth, or the feet that speaks the good news. But we also are the ones that plant and the ones that water. But God is the one that sets it all up. Because God draws out the hearts. And God creates the opportunity for people to be saved. But we do have a big part in this mission. And so we are the feet, we plant, we water with the mouth. How do we do that? How do we how do we participate in this mission process? What is our part? What is our message? What are we trying to accomplish? If we have a mission and we're trying to be part of the mission, what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to get more people to come out to church? You know, we can, we can do that pretty easily. We can have free pizza every Sunday, right? So free pizza, you know, all kinds of stuff. We have people come out. Maybe we could, maybe it's programs, you know, we could have these really, really great, great programs, you know, maybe, maybe if we had a program for this, a program for that, a program for this, if we had dozens of programs with, with dozens of really cool life hacks, people would say, wow, man, that's the church I want to be a part of because they got so many cool things going on. We could do that if we wanted to. And I'm all for more people coming out to church. I would love to see this room filled and I'll have to look for another location yeah. because, well, we just don't fit in Woods Auditorium anymore. That's right. That would be a great thing. So I'm all for people coming out to church. We have a great church here. But our truly seeking people, those that God is drawing to Him, are they really looking for church? Are they thinking, man, my life is in such a place, I need some answers, I need something, you know, I just need a church. They're not looking for a church. They're really not looking for a church. Talk about that. Are they looking for programs? Well, I just need to find a program that will fix my marriage, fix my family, fix my career, fix my life. 
And when I find that, then I would have found what I'm searching for. I don't think so. But really, the, the sincere searching people with whom God is, is working on those hearts, that's not what they're looking for. And there's nothing wrong with programs. We have programs. Programs are great, but they're not the end all. It's more. I think it's more. I know it's more. Amen, Jeff. I know people are looking for more. What are we holding out as a promise to them? What makes who we are inviting? What, what would make anybody want to get involved with you on a spiritual level? What is it that we are offering? You know, I think one of the main reasons why people are searching for a relationship with God, or they begin a search for a relationship with God, is fear. Not so much a fear of death, but a fear of life. There are people that go through this life paralyzed by a fear of the life that they're in. And you know what? That fear of life is even stronger than a fear of death. It really is. I think if you told people, what are you more afraid of, dying or just you know living in a, in a, in a state of, of not doing well? And it's probably like living in a state of not doing well. That's, that's long. I think that paralyzes a lot of people. They're paralyzed by the sphere of life. Will I be successful? Will I have what I need? Will I be taken care of? Will I be happy? Will I be loved? Will I be content? Will I be okay? I mean, the list goes on and on. What if I give everything I have Everything I've got, I, I make all the moves, I mean, I, I, I get the job, I get the family, I get the this, I get the that. What if I get all this stuff and, and something happens and things don't turn out well? What if it all just crumbles? What if after all the efforts that, that I put in to having this awesome life and, and for whatever reason, some calamity, some crisis, it's all gone, then what? People are paralyzed by that. They really are. And they're looking. Now, with some, the condition is very obvious. You can tell people that are paralyzed by a fear of life. You can see the depression, the anxiety, the hopelessness, the discouragement. They stop taking care of themselves. They stop taking care of their families. You see, with some people, the condition is much more subtle. Yes. So on the outside, everything looks good. The job looks good. The home looks good. The life looks good. You know, the family looks good. Everything looks, looks okay. But inside, they're a wreck. They're a wreck. And they're trying to figure out some way to get out from underneath and when it gets to a point where you realize or you think there's no way out, then you do something catastrophic. Yeah. At the very least, you have a meltdown. At the very worst, you take your own life. Wow. More common than you think. Yes. It happens. Come on, Jeff. Yeah. It's that fear that drives people to seek God, who again is working hard to draw them out. And the question they have is, is there more? That was me. That was me 37 years ago. I was okay. I was doing well. I thought I was happy. I was in New York City working as a musician. Things were going well. You know, stuff was happening. Things coming in. And I knew there's got to be more because I was so anxious 
about this thinking career because you had to like hustle every single day to make anything of it. And I began to think, what if it doesn't work? What if, what if, what if, what if? And you know, that's what I began seeking. And, and God found me. God began to draw my heart out as he does with those who are seeking. But what are people really seeking, actually seeking in a relationship with God? And what will they find? Are they seeking and are they looking for a way to simply mitigate the fear, to maybe reduce it some, to maybe control it a little bit? Or are people seeking a relationship with God to completely drive the fear out? Well, you can tell by how they approach their relationship with God. And let me tell you something. This is where we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, can really shine. Yes. Because we are, we are put then in a position to say, okay, I know you're seeking God. I know you're looking, you know, God is drawing out, you know, from your heart. This is what we can say, let me demonstrate for you what it really could look like for you to have a sincere relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because we know what God can do with fear, right? Yes. We know. We are familiar with fear, and we know the way to not just mitigate fear, but we know the way to eliminate fear. Yes. And we yes. see it right here in yes. 1 John chapter 4. We're very familiar with this. Pick this up in the verse 13. This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He's given us His Spirit. And we've seen and we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. It's all about this relationship. God is all about the relationship. Yep. It's like in. I mean, so many times here in this text, it's living in God. It's living in this relationship with God. And so that's what John's talking about. And then he goes on to say, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. He continues that thing, this in, in, in. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So this driving out of fear comes only one way. You can't tell somebody, don't be afraid, right? <laughs> you can't convince them that, hey, that fear is, is, is irrational, right. right? That fear is non-existent. That fear is irrelevant. That fear, you can't. Somebody in the midst of fear is not going to hear that right. because they're overwhelmed by the sin that they're in. So you can tell them all you want, hey, you've got nothing to be afraid of, and it's going to go right over the head. It's not going to make sense. This driving out of fear comes only one way. And that's experiencing the perfect love yes. of God. Yes. Without that, you won't get it, they won't get it. Right. And that experience, okay, that perfect love of God, there's only one way. And that's living in a relationship right. with God. Yeah. Comes by no other means. Now, I think intellectually we all get that, right? We all say, ooh, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know that we get that. But do we really practice it? Do we really practice living in 
a relationship with God? I think that's a very good question. It's crucial. Not only for your spiritual well-being, right, so that you'll make it, but also for the people that are reaching out to you. They've got to be able to see that you live in a relationship with God, and it's that relationship that has driven the fear out of your life. Because again, people in this world are controlled by fear. And it's opening up their hearts, hopefully, if you want to see God. Yes, amen. And I believe that's what our mission is. Our mission is to let people see that mitigating, reducing fear is incomplete. A perfect relationship, or a relationship in Christ with God will drive out the fear. To help those who God is drawing out and to discover a life with God. That's our mission. Amen. So let's talk about that for a little bit. I want you to think about something. Could what we call a relationship with God actually be a relationship to God? Have you ever considered that? Is what we call a relationship with, yes, I have a relationship with God. Is that really it? Or might it be a relationship to God? We have many two relationships, don't we? You have a relationship to your doctor, to your mechanic, to your barber, to your hairstylist, whomever. You have a relationship to them. You're in that relationship for one reason. What you can get out of it. Right? So there's an expectation. There's, there's some kind of personal gain there. And when that's not there, then what do you do? Well, then you move on from that relationship. And that's perfectly okay. Hey, look, if your mechanic was not fixing your car, you wouldn't say, well, you know, I just got to really stay there because, you know, we're, we're, like, we're in a relationship. No, you're not. It's your mechanic. You have a relationship too. You say goodbye to the mechanic. You would do that with anybody. It's a relationship too. And so you can, you can move on, and that's fine. There's a book that I read called With. The book With is by Spike and he speaks of five different postures that we can take with God, four of them of which will leave you completely empty because they're conditional. And all they do is mitigate the fear. It never goes away. It gets reduced, but then it can easily flare up again. But only one of those relationships with God gives you the full life that Jesus promises us in John 10.10. 10. Because it drives that fear out. So where do you find yourself? Not only where do you find yourself, but where do you share it with other people? So let's take a look. Life under God. What does it mean to have a life under God? Well, here's the fear. So with each of these, I'm going to give you the fear, and then I'm going to give you the condition that we put on God so that we can be in that particular uh, posture with God. Life under God. You know what the fear is when you, when you have a life under God? You fear that my life might fall apart. At any moment in my days, months, Years, things could just be gone. Catastrophe, crisis, whatever it is, things might fall apart. So, 
Because you live in this fear that at any moment things could fall apart, the condition that we put on the relationship with God when we're in a life under God posture is this. I'll follow all the rules. And then God will fix it. Surely calamity won't come upon me. Because I'm following all the rules. I'm sticking to the plan. I'm not veering off the, the, the plan one, one bit. I mean, I'm just like right there. I'm following all the rules. It's all going to work out just fine. And so I follow the rules. God fixes everything so I don't have to face any kind of pain. Right? And so, and then everybody's happy. But what happens? What is the reality of life? Well, things don't always go with plan, do they? Right. And so we think, man, I'm going to like stick all the rules and then, and then God's going to fix it. But then what happens when things don't go as planned, when things don't go well? What do we do to ourselves? Oh, well, I'm just not following the rules then. I, I've, got to, I've got to get better at following the rules. So, so I'm just going to try harder, more rules. Try harder, more rules. Right. I mean, that's what we see in the old covenant. Yeah. Right? I mean, that is, that's the old covenant right there. Yeah. Follow all the rules, everything will go well, and if it doesn't go well, well, then you're just not following the rules. So now go back and follow the rules tomorrow. Right. That's a life under God. Right. And so, again, that mitigates fear for a little while. But then when things don't go well, boom, it fares right back again. Yeah. Not a good posture to take. Yeah. Well, there's another one that we can stumble with as well. And that's a life over God. What is the fear in that posture, a life over God? The fear is this. God might not be able to handle this. Mm. <laughs> now, I know there's things God can do. Because, you know, God's, God's really smart. God's really strong. But this is really big. This thing in my life. And, and God might not be able to do it. And so here's the condition that we put on our relationship with God when you live in a life over God posture. You say, I believe in God, and I do believe that God is pretty capable. And, and he's given me the Bible. And so, amen, I've got the Bible. And in the Bible, there's some really good principles to follow. It's just like, you know, all the answers are there. So, you know, I've got, you know, God's there, you know, it's pretty good stuff. I've got the Bible, the Bible is pretty good, good principles. And so, but this is really big. So, so I've got this. I've got this. I know from experience in my life, and I know, you know, what I've seen, and kind of so I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. If I need help, I'll, I'll look in the Bible, and I'll, I'll glean some, some cool principles, and I'll, I'll figure out a way to insert them into, into my plan, and, and, and things will be just fine. So, so, God, this is really big. I'll take over from here. I'll call you if I need you. That's the life over God. And you know what? That also mitigates the fear for a while as well. Because you have a sense of, of power. You have a sense of authority. It's like, wow. You know, I can, I can do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get myself out of this. I can make this happen. Right. And so the fear diminishes just a little bit, or for a time. But then, just like the life under God, you're going to get to this point where it's like, eh, it's not working out, right. and then crash. And so what do you do? You fall apart. Yeah, yeah. You fall apart. Well, there's another one we have to be wary of. And that's a life from God. The fear is this in a life from God posture. I won't have enough of anything. I fear going through this life.
like because I'm not going to have what I need. And so how am I going to survive if I don't have the things that I need? But oftentimes, we, we use the wrong word. It's not need, it's want. Right. Because we know that God provides what we need. Come on, Jeff. But you know, mine is like, oh, well, I, I think I need, you know, there's a whole other list of things that you don't really need, you think you need, they're more wise. But we have this fear that I'm not going to have all the stuff that I think I need that is really the stuff that I want. And so that's the fear. And here's the condition. I'll follow you, God, as long as you keep blessing my life. And so we're really happy when, when a blessing comes through. And the fear gets mitigated for a little while. Oh, good. God came through. You know, thank you, God. You know, God gave me the, the job. God gave me the car. God gave me the relationship. God gave me the, you know, whatever it is. And so as long as God keeps blessing my life, then we're going to be good, God. I'm right. going to stay with you forever because, man, you're awesome. You keep giving me whatever I want. As though God existed simply to give you what you want. Right, like some sort of divine vending machine. Right? You know? <laughs> you know, okay, good. God keeps giving me all this stuff. Man, why would I want to leave this relationship? This is awesome. Right. So that's a very conditional relationship. Right. And it does mitigate the fear, right? Because I'm getting what I want. But then eventually, the things that you think you want are there, right? And so now you're like, wait a minute, God. What happened? You know, I thought you loved me. I thought you were going to take care of me. I thought everything was going to be good. I mean, we had this awesome relationship, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm in there. I'm, I'm, you know, praying to go to church, you know. And, and so, you know, I'm doing my part. How about you? Like, where's my blessing? Oh, shit. And then what happens? When the vending machine runs out, yep. then so do you. <laughs> God, God's not, you know, God, 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 God's not blessing me anymore. So that's not That's a bad place to be. That was Job's wife. Right? Remember Job's, Job, Job's wife? Job was like so blessed that like, you know, he was like a great man to eat, had like tons of everything you can imagine. And then it's all God, and Job's like, oh, hey, look, you know, we need to accept the bad from the good from God, you know, and the West, like, what are you talking about? First God and die, you see, we got nothing more. That was Job's wife. Don't be like that. Don't be like Job's wife. <laughs> be like Job, right? It's not a life from God. The more I keep getting, Man, the more I'm going to stay in. There's another one. This one is tricky. I only have a couple more, maybe not. But here, here's the tricky one. No? That's a good one. Okay. Oh, I see one. Okay. So, anyway, in here, there should be there should be one that says a life for God. It's not about having a life for God. But anyway, a life for God. This is a tricky one. And I think it's where a lot of us land. And, and, and here's, the, here's the fear in having a life for God posture. I'm not doing enough. Mm. Here we go. I'm just not doing enough. I, I have to do more. Yeah. There's, there's so much good to be done. There's so much bad to be fixed. So I'm just not doing enough. And the condition that we put on God is this. My relationship with you, God, is going to be conditional on how much I do for you. And so therefore, God, to stay in your good graces and to stay in, in your company, I realize that I just need to do more and more and more. And the more I do, because more is always better, right? <laughs> the more I do, then the better we are. 
then the more spiritual I must be. The closer to God I must be because, look, I'm doing a lot. And, you know, we, we live in a culture, and I, I won't say it's necessarily rampant in our fellowship culture. I think it's very great. It's definitely there in greater Christendom that the people that do more, they're the ones that are lifted up. Oh, you've done, you've been on missionary trips, and you've served this, and you did that, and oh my gosh, you're like amazing. And the people that don't do that, who love God just as much, and are just as close to relationship with God, well, they don't really get noticed. Come on, because their, their posture isn't so much a, a for God. But the ones that are for God, oh man, you, you really get it. Come on, Jeff. And so, yeah, the word is better. No matter the cost. No matter the cost, right. just more right. is better. The problem is, there's no balance there. Right. There's no rhythm. Doing is good. Yeah. And so don't get me wrong, Aaron. So, you know, don't leave your same up. Don't do anything. Doing is a good thing. Serving is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. But you're not in a relationship with God, or you won't continue to because of your serving and your doing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. part of the equation, but it's not the end yeah, Doing yeah. is good, working hard is good. But God also calls us, calls us to rest. Yes. yes. Come on, Jeff. And to simply have times when you, when you, you simply right be instead of do. Simply be. So what should we be looking for? What you see right there? A life with God. Yes. Look at the example of marriage. I like using marriage as an example because in some ways it does parallel at least emotionally our relationship with God. Marriage is a with relationship. Yes. It's not a two. Even though we say, you know, I married to Florence, that's true. I think a better way to say it, which you would probably wouldn't do, but it would make more sense, I'm in a marriage relationship with Florence. Mm -hmm. You should say that about because it's not a true relationship. It's not for what you can get out of it. Right? The goal isn't gain. The goal is oneness. The goal is being together with that spouse and, and going through life together with that, with that spouse. A great marriage has a certain rhythm. Not a routine. It's not mindless repetition. But there's a cadence to a really strong marriage right. that, that carries you through every up and down that you experience in life. And there's going to be many ups and downs in life. And again, the goal is not personal gain. It's that oneness. It's that being in sync with each other. So when you're up, everything is great. You celebrate, it's fine. When you're also down, you're still together. And everything's still fine. You'll be okay. Because you have a rhythm. You have a cadence to that relationship. A great relationship with God is no different. There should be a rhythm. There should be a cadence that we follow. Where we're never in opposition to God. We're not trying to be above, under, below, for. There, there's, this, there's this cadence. We're just, we're with God. No matter what's going on, we have, we have a life that's in sync with God. To God, the relationship is everything. Think about the Trinity. Father with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. And through Christ, God calls us, draws us into a relationship with Him. Yes. I mean, Jesus' very name, Emmanuel. You know what that means? God, God with us. With us. Right. God with us. Amen. Not us to God, but it's God, God with us. Yes. 
And God's biggest desire is simply to be with us and for us to be with Him. And you know what? That is what drives the fear away. Come on, Jeff. So we're not following a God that, that expects unrealistic things. We're following God who, who wants us to be with Him. That drives the fear away. It's not following all the rules, and God fixes everything, and then right. we're good. That's the life of God. It's not about principles to follow, and then we lead the way. That's the life of God. It's not that. It's not about God granting every one of your wishes to be good with God. That's the life from God. It's not that. It's not about more things to do. Okay, a life for God. And there are, there are elements of all of those that are good, but they can't be the end all. But it is about a life with God. And right. that's how we are to live. And that's what we share. And that's the beginning of the mission. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.